every single day we would play chess and he would talk and he would talk and he would talk and I, I would lose and I would lose and I'd get so mad. Finally, I was 20 years old and he missed a move. That was a little weird and he wasn't talking as much. So we were playing and suddenly he missed another move that seemed really out of character for him. All right, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, I'm gonna beat this son of a <laughs> That's Chris Ruscio from Oswego. And on today's episode, we're learning how to listen between the lines. From NCPR and the Adirondack Center for Writing, this is The Howl. True stories, no notes, live on stage in the North Country. I'm Ethan Shanty. The first time I got a bee sting, I was five years old. I was playing fetch with our dog Tanya in the side yard of my parents' house when I heard a strange buzzing coming from near our apple tree. I ran over to investigate, and a moment later, a bee got me. I slapped at it, I howled, and I cried, so my dad came running outside. I told him something bit me. He put his hand on my shoulder and took me to sit down on the rock wall that divided our yard. See, I grew up with six brothers, and when you come from a family of all boys, you have to deal with insults constantly. You've got to get tough pretty fast. I was always told I was dumb or a wimp, and so I became pretty insecure. It's not my brother's fault. I mean, I did the exact same thing to them. But still, I did develop this bad habit of never admitting when I didn't know something. And that's what I did here. My dad started to tell me about bees, why they buzz, and why they sting. But every time he told me something new about bees, I would just say, I know, even though I didn't. He kept telling me new things, and each time I would say, I know, I know, I know. And it's been a habit that's been almost impossible to break my entire life. I like to think I've gotten a little bit better about it later in life, but it's been a struggle to admit that it's okay not to know. But I wonder how much exactly I've missed out on and how many stories I didn't hear because I nodded along and pretended I already knew. I've had to learn how to listen. On today's episode, Chris Ruscio became a pretty damn good chess player through spending summers with her grandfather. But as she tells us, she missed out on the real lesson her grandfather was trying to tell her. She told us this story live on stage at the Howell Grand Slam in Hewelton in 2016. So every year when I was a child, between the ages of about, say, 5 to 18, for two weeks out of the year, my sister and I, my older sister and I, were sent away to my grandparents on my mother's side in Rochester, in Arundacoit. And uh, my sister uh, was, oh, oh, that's such a good child. And I was the one that was, oh, why have you? So just to give you an idea how I was. And my uh, mother's father, my grandfather, was a World War II vet. He was in the Navy in the Pacific Theater. and. He was military, and he was by the book, and he had a brush cut until he died. It was that long. And I think he knew what kind of kid I was, uh, because he would come into the kitchen, and he would look right at me, and he would say, I've seen the fingerprints on the wall. I don't want to see any more fingerprints on the wall. And my sister would look at me, and I'd look at Grandpa, and he would turn away and go in the other room. And the minute he turned around, I'd go <laughs> and run my hands down the wall. So I made sure there were streaks all over. But my grandfather didn't talk much. He wasn't much of a talker. He wasn't much of a doer. He sat uh, in his lazy boy chair and watched sports. And he would watch boxing. And he would watch tennis. And he would watch sports. And he would watch anything. But he didn't really talk. 
Um, so we were kind of left to our own devices. And in an opposite room, which used to be my mother's bedroom, there was a box of games. And I didn't really know them. I was about 10 years old when I found this box, so I tossed it open. I bring it in the living room. My grandfather's in the Lazy Boy watching TV, and I open the box. I'm pulling these pieces out, and you know, one looks like a horse. Another one looks like a castle, and I'm just like, you know, knocking them together. We're like, what do we do with this? And suddenly, my grandfather goes, what are you doing? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Bring that over here. Okay. So I bring it over to him, and he goes, have you ever played chess before? No. I don't know what chess is. Is that like checkers? And he looks at me, and he goes, just set it up like this. So he sets up the board for me, and I'm white, and he's black. And he starts explaining the game to me. And he tells me a story about when he was in the Pacific Theater on his boat. And he says, we had a Cubano, which I didn't know what a Cubano was back then. But this Cubano, who was a soldier partner of his, said, I got a box of Cuban cigars that says you can't beat me in a game of chess. OK, you know, he said that. He beat him in four moves and took the box of Cubanos. So that's how my grandfather worked. He was very mechanical, very methodical, very technical person. And so we set up the board, and he started teaching me the moves. I was like, this seems pretty easy. He goes, OK, if you think you can beat me, let's play. So I was like, OK. He beat me in four moves in Blitzkrieg. If any of you have ever played chess, Blitzkrieg is the German offense that is lightning fast. He beat me in four moves. We played every single day. And one of his tactics was to talk when it was my turn. <laughs> so here I am. I'm concentrating, and I'm just like, OK, all right, here's his, he's got his rookie castles, OK? But any of you are like, you know, back in the day, when I was on the boat, no, no, got to focus, got to focus. And he beat me every single day. And so for two weeks, for about 10 years, every single day we would play chess, and he would talk, and he would talk, talk and I, I would lose and I would lose and I'd get so mad. And so finally, I was 20 years old and we were playing and I was like, oh, okay. He missed a move. That was a little weird. And he wasn't talking as much. So we were playing and suddenly he missed another move that seemed really out of character for him. All right. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to beat this son of a bitch. <laughs> but he's not talking. He's not his normal self. He's not there. And all of a sudden, I move my rook, and I say, checkmate. And he nods. And he puts his king down. And he says, I don't think we'll play again. And we didn't. Never again. And it was only afterwards I really realized he was talking to me about the war. And I wasn't listening. I was so focused on beating a man that I thought hated me that I wasn't listening to what he was saying to me about his time at a place that was so dark for him. And that's my missed opportunity.
That's it for this week, and it's a good reminder that we don't get much time with the people who love us, so when they speak, take a moment to listen. The Howl is written, produced, and edited by me, Ethan Shanty, with editorial supervision by David Summerstein. Doyle Dean is our production manager, Bill Hanel is our digital guy, and Caitlin Kelly handles our social media. Music on this episode is by famous letter writer of Plattsburgh. The Howl is a co-production of NCPR and the Adirondack Center for Writing in Saranac Lake. You can find more episodes of the program and support the show, plus find out when we're going to be telling stories in your town by visiting ncpr.org slash howl. This is NCPR North Country Public Radio.